Friends in Christ, God's grace and His mercy and His peace, they are all yours through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you had to choose, what would you say is your favorite picture of Jesus? Because I'm guessing that you've probably seen many of them in the course of your lives, and maybe, maybe you even have several different options in your own home. Sometimes you have the headshot, right? The headshot of Jesus, and, and maybe he's got that very evangelical, slight smile. Or maybe you see the, the common picture of Jesus with the, the shepherd's crook in his hand with sheep surrounding him, Jesus the good shepherd. Maybe you think of the cross. And you have a, an image of your mind of, of a, many of the paintings where Jesus is, is enduring the ultimate sacrifice. He's on the cross giving his life for the sins of the world. Or maybe you think of something post-resurrection, post post-crucifixion and resurrection. One, one of my personal favorite ones is, is uh, the, the, old, the Old Testament, goodness, the Renaissance artist Caravaggio. It's Doubting Thomas. And you see Doubting Thomas, he has his, almost his entire hand stuck into the side of Jesus. Remember when, when Jesus was asking him to, to come and touch him to prove that he was alive? I just think that's an, an incredible image of how much we might doubt. But there he is, Jesus proving his, his life. And then there's one that is very popular, and I see it in a number of, of places. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think, have you seen this image? Usually it's Jesus striking the, the traditional prayer pose. You know, he's down on his knees. He's got the white gown on. And it seems like maybe he's leaning up against a rock or maybe a tree. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's definitely evening and you have almost a full moon going on. It's so peaceful and tranquil. And you have it in there and you're thinking, Wow. Such a beautiful moment, such calm. This is what I want my Savior to be. Except for one thing. That moment was anything, but it wasn't tranquil. And we're going to look at it today. The moment when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was praying to his Father in heaven and you have that image in your mind of Jesus in, the, in, in all of the peace of nature and a quiet night. You can imagine just the, the cool breeze and everything's great. We are talking about Jesus in the throes of one of the most challenging moments of his earthly life. And it's good for us to see that because we are reminded of what comes from that evening in the Garden of Gethsemane where he, battling all temptation, proved himself once again worthy to be our Savior not by what he did, but what he didn't do. He didn't run 
from the situation. He didn't throw in the cards, but rather he continued on submitting to the Father's will. I want to read to you this section. I want to talk to you about it. Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. It's the word of our Lord. Wars are made up of many battles. Journeys are made up of many segments. And I think all too often when we talk about the war that Christ fought on our behalf or the journey of Christ's salvation for us, we focus on the one individual segment, right? Or the one individual battle and we think of Good Friday and we think of Christ on the cross and we think of that particular moment which of course is key. But today we take a look at just another battle that was just as important as all the others. We take a look at another segment in that journey of being our perfect Savior. And we're reminded that it was, in fact, a battle. We're reminded that there was nothing easy about it. We're reminded about how amazing our Savior is on the day before he died. Because that's the context that we have in front of us. That image of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's probably one that you are well aware of, and yet maybe we don't zero in enough on this particular section. The Lord's Supper had been celebrated. The Passover had been commemorated. And then a day like any other became a day for the record books. I say the day like any other because you hear how this account starts. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. You can imagine his disciples knew Jesus' routine. And it probably was that when they were in Jerusalem and they would go about the day's business and then they would retreat or retire for uh, an evening meal. And then it would seem that the routine was in the cool air of the evening or nighttime Jesus then would would walk out the, the wall of Jerusalem and he would exit out onto the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine the setting with the olive trees everywhere? And then there was the garden that was a part of that area. 
the Garden of Gethsemane. And it would have been his routine, it appears, that, that he would go out there and he would spend time either talking with his disciples or conversing with his Father in heaven. But today we have the image of one who is praying. But there's nothing easy about this prayer. We have one who was, is in anguish, and he even warned his disciples about it before the prayer start. He said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He's putting it on the radar. He's saying that things are afoot, situations are real, You disciples, pray that you don't fall into temptation, meaning temptation is ever around you, disciples. The question is whether you're going to fall into it, whether you're going to give into it, whether you you are going to entrust your will to the desires of temptation. So he left his disciples, he wanted a stone's throw away, and now we see just how real it gets. Father, If you are willing, take this cup from me, he says. What's the struggle? What is the possible struggle here? The Lord has already endured so much. He's been in his ministry for about three years. And yet, being the true son of God as well as son of man, being true God and true man, he knew what the next 24 hours would entail. He knew that it would be later that very evening when his old friend Judas would show up with the group of Roman soldiers and the Jewish leaders and he would betray him with a kiss. And you wonder how much that would have hurt Jesus but then from there, he knew what would endure. He would go through a, a trial on the, both the Jewish side and the Roman side, and then he would end up paying the price for sin. He knew it all, and you can imagine now, as he sees it coming, he is true man. And what the struggle is, is conforming our will to the will, the perfect will of our Father. And it's real. It's a struggle because so often that which is good and needed does not necessarily meet what we would prefer to be doing with our lives. With Jesus, it's different though. Because you see it in the entire tone of his prayer. There isn't a complaint, but rather he reveals to us the extent of the challenge from the human side that it is to be our Savior. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. The ancients frequently would talk about a cup as a particularly difficult obstacle to overcome or burden to bear. And they would talk about removing a cup. I don't want to drink it as if it's poison. I don't want to drink it because it's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful for me. So, Father, if possible, I would prefer to do this another way. And as we're watching the painting now, do you start to realize that it's not quite as serene and calm as maybe we thought it was? And if you're not there yet, then go back to the text and realize 
After the first prayer, an angel from heaven appeared to him. God is sending in the reinforcements to strengthen his own son. And then Jesus back at it again in prayer. Listen to how it's described. And being in anguish. Doesn't that hurt just hearing that word? That our Savior was in anguish on your behalf. That our Savior is talking to his Father and his heart is so burdened. His heart is so consumed with what must happen that he's in anguish. And if that's not bad enough, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And this was all happening privately before his Father in heaven. What was the struggle? It has to do with submission. It has to do with willingly putting yourself in front of the will of our gracious God. And I use the word gracious intentionally because at the moment of submitting to God's will, we frequently think of him as anything other than gracious. And we question his authority, or if not his authority, we question his goodness. And we say, Lord, I don't want to have to go through this. Now Jesus, wearing that perfect Savior role as God and man, insofar as he was the Christ, the Son of God, he was committed to our salvation. Insofar as he was a man, no one wants to endure agony. In that struggle, that he straddles so perfectly, we see how often it becomes a complete disaster in our lives. Think for a minute about a young child who you give the instruction to. Something that that seemingly isn't all that important. You go make your bed. You, You go clean your room. You go finish your peas. And a child takes his nose and scrunches it up and says, I don't want to. What do we have? We have a failure to submit. The problem is, is it's not just little kids. It's you and I. Do you realize how often we get in front of God and his will and we scrunch up our nose and we wag our finger and we say, I don't want to, God. That's not going to be fun, God. Why are you doing this to me, God? I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm charting my own path because I'd rather submit to a new authority. This guy. That's how we act. And every single day we fall into the challenge of not submitting to our perfect and gracious Father in heaven's will. We then call that sin. We struggle with it, and part of the reason we struggle with it is because we fail to see our gracious God as just that, gracious. So how does our Lord handle it? With perfection, of course. With the very real anxiety and the very real human emotions of knowing what must endure, he says these golden words that you know so well, If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. 
not my will, but yours be done. Pure submission. Recognition. And a willingness to carry out the work at hand, even if it entailed death on a cross. His pain is our gain. And it's not just the pain of hanging on the cross. It's the pain of conforming wills to that which is of the Father in heaven. Now for Christ, you may say, easier for him, he is true God, and yet don't downplay his humanity. And maybe at this time it's simply good to talk about the will of the Father. There's a passage in Proverbs that I frequently think of. It actually comes up twice in the book. If you've ever read through the book of Proverbs, you know that you get some great one-liners there because that's what a proverb is. But both in chapter 14 and chapter 16 of Proverbs, you have this passage. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. That just amazes me because what that passage is saying in such a short, concise way is our will, when it's not guided by God's will, will always take us in the wrong direction. Because there are innumerable things, innumerable things that in my mind seem right and lead in the right direction, but if it's not conformed to God's will, it leads to death. And you think in big terms, we're talking salvation. If I was not knowledgeable about my Savior or of God's Word, there is a way that seems right to man to get to heaven. It's just going to be work harder. Or choose your own God. Or become your own God. But in the end, it doesn't get you where you're going. So enter God's gracious and holy will. There is a way that is right for God, and in the end, it leads to life. And therefore, we look at everything that we endure in this world under that umbrella. We have a God who goes on record saying that he wants us to be with him in heaven. We have a God who goes on record saying he loved the world so much, so much so that he's going to provide the sacrifice. We don't ever have to question what's behind his will, but it doesn't mean we always understand it. And so with Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, repeating those beautiful words, not my will but your will be done, we are now equipped to echo the very same thing when it comes to those challenging moments where we simply need to turn our mind off and submit. You see, the hardest part about submitting is when you don't respect the person that you're submitting to. But in this case, we know our God's intentions. And so we submit, confident that whatever cross or burden that we are bearing, whatever challenge or difficulty that presents itself, God continues to have our well-being in his heart and in his mind. I don't know that it matters what your favorite picture of Jesus is. 
But when you think about that image of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I do want you to think about the context and the agony and the struggle, but I also want you to think about the prayer that he says. Because the very thing he then says to his disciples when he comes back and finds them sleeping lets us know that the temptation to not submit to God and his will is ready and willing to overcome us at any time. And so what shall we do? Let's pray. Because prayer is keeping us tuned in to the Father and his will. Because a Christian knows that to pray is to pray to God and allow him to come to us through his word. It's to have that daily and ongoing conversation that allows us to conform our lives and our hearts and our actions to his will rather than succumbing to the temptation to say, my will be done. And doesn't that remove the burden? The burden of saying, you know what, God, I never really knew what I was doing to start with. But now I simply entrust my life to you. Your will be done. You who love me, who have created me, who provide for me, and who have saved me, your will be done. And if there's ever any question, go right back to Christ and the agony he endured in his willingness to do so to be your Savior. His pain, yes, even that of the Garden of Gethsemane, is our gain. Thank God for Christ's submission. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.